When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are recording with Mr. Gordon Chang and Mr. Joe Kent to just jump right to it because we have a limited amount of time. I want to bring up something that you both have talked about independently, and I think it'd be interesting to hear y'all's reciprocal thoughts on it, is the seizing of Chinese assets, uh, specifically farmland. Joe, do you want to start with this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think just uh, on its face, it's absolute insanity that we're letting our number one geostrategic foe who's in a war with us and has stated that one of their strategies is to buy up, you know, key resources and key land. We're letting them buy up U.S. farmland and other resources here in America. Uh, not only are they deeply intertwined of our economy with manufacturing, with our capital markets, but we're we're physically letting them buy land. And I just don't think any sane nation would allow that to happen. So I think this is something that the federal government needs to step in and uh, and take care of very quickly, especially right now as we have, you know, looming crises of our uh, production lines and food lines, baby formula, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, this is a clear a clear cut case, I think, for some federal intervention. Gordon, I couldn't agree more. Um, just take the state of Oklahoma, for instance. We know that Chinese parties have been buying up land at a very fast pace. And there's two very disturbing developments. First of all, um, some of those buyers are letting the land lay follow. Um, they're buying ranches and they're not ranching. Um, so really what's going on here is taking productive land out of uh, cycle. Also, um, some Chinese parties are going into marijuana farming. Uh, and many of these are criminal gangs. Um, so this is not legal farming. And uh, Chinese have been arrested uh, for their activities on Oklahoma land. Now, this is being replicated not just in Oklahoma, but across the Midwest and indeed across the country as well. We need to stop this. And I couldn't agree with Joe Moore. Congress must legislate that uh, Chinese parties not buy our land. We have to know what's going on here. And right now, we don't have a handle on this at all. Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, some legislation from Congress is definitely going to be needed when we take back the the majority in the House and, and the Senate. I would like to think that this would be a bipartisan issue, but unfortunately, it, it doesn't seem to be. Um, so I think we need some some actual legislation. Uh, I think seizing the land as as our own is is absolutely our right and then necessary. And I think we can start to grab some of this land the Chinese have purchased as part of the, a greater reparations package that the, the CCP owes us and the world really for uh, COVID-19. I, I think overall, we just have to get much more aggressive. And I think against the Chinese Communist Party, especially economically. And I think the farmland is a great, really common sense place to start. I think that that seems to make the most sense is really you could just yeah you could frame it as as reparations. Uh, Gordon, your thoughts on that as a, a reparations for COVID-19? Yeah. The United States needs to impose severe costs on China. We know that however this disease started, I think it came from the lab, but that's not 100 percent sure. But we do know something 100 percent. And that is that once this disease got out into the Chinese population in Wuhan and central portions of the country, Chinese leaders decided to spread this beyond its borders. Um, and they, first of all, they lied about transmissibility. 
They knew this was highly contagious, but they told the world for weeks it was not. And then while they were locking down their own countries, and I know lockdowns are controversial, but by China locking down its own country, it was saying to the world, it thought that this was an effective way to stop the disease. So while China was locking down uh, its own country, it was pressuring the United States and others to accept travelers from China without travel restrictions or quarantines. So that meant that um, there's more than 6 million deaths, including 1 million deaths that were marked by President Biden on Thursday. Mm-hmm. That those more than 6 million deaths, really, each one of them is a murder. Now, Biden said that each person who, each American who lost was irreplaceable. Well, yes, of course. But each American who was lost was a murder. And especially with there being, what, is it 415 or 425, 425,000 deaths, U.S. deaths? In World War II, 16 million deployed soldiers. I mean, this is now surpassed by almost a uh, well, 200, 250% of the total, not just casualty, but fatalities of World War II. But because it's not in the form of artillery shells or machine guns or bombers, but instead a cough, it never really gets brought up. But that's exactly what it is. And as we saw with World War II, we've enacted a lot more revenge for statistically a lot fewer deaths. Um, is to kind of pivot because Gordon, this is your your field of expertise. Right now, are we and actually to allude to your book, which will be in the description, the coming collapse of China. Are we seeing a an organic freeze up of the uh, the supply lines in China, or is this intentional to bring us to our knees? As a lot of our manufacturing is obviously dependent on them. That's a great question. If we go back into 2021, um, some of the um, supply chain disruptions were the result of uh, Beijing's decisions to deliberately restrict supply. Um, What we're seeing right now, though, is organic. And the reason is that China has these draconian COVID-19 lockdowns. They call it the dynamic zero COVID policy. And this has resulted in factories either operating at very low capacity or being shuttered altogether. And right now, Omicron BA2, the subvariant, is ripping across the eastern portion of China. That's where China's factory floor is. So, for instance, um, you have um, uh, companies like Tesla, which was shut at their gigafactory in Shanghai. That was shut before it reopened, but it's now shut again um, because it can't get parts. So we are going to see these supply chain problems ripple through our economy. One reason we don't see it right now so much is that the Christmas shipments actually, because of disruptions in 2021, they started, they have arrived in January, February, and March of this year, which means that stores still have product. But when that product runs out, we are going to see supply chain disruptions like we did not see last year, for instance, it's going to be much worse. And that means that's going to fuel inflation because there won't be goods to buy. A lot of money will be chasing after fewer and fewer goods on our shelves. So this is going to be something that we will feel very soon. Joe? 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's great insight. And I, I think this just makes the case for why we need to bring back as much manufacturing as possible. I mean, the, the I think Americans have a really uh, odd way of looking, a real black and white way of looking at war. We think that in order to be at war with someone that they have to come over and actually physically attack us with the military, with a, with a, terrorism, a terrorist attack like 9-11, whereas the Chinese have done an amazing job of running this hybrid model of warfare, this economic warfare. They, uh, they capitalized on what could have been a disaster for them with COVID and said, okay, if this is going to be horrible, um, whether it was, you know, came from the lab or not, let's, let's get this circulating throughout the, in, the entire world. Let's weaponize this. Like the, this is how the, the Chinese communist party fights. So I, I think for us to not react to that from a national security standpoint, I think there's a lot of good economic arguments that are going on right now, but I, I look at it from a national security standpoint, first and foremost. So bringing back our supply lines so that all these things can't be leveraged against us in the, in the way that they are right now, I, I just think is just so vital for our national security. Absolutely. We should not be enriching a hostile regime with our everyday purchasing decisions, and we shouldn't be investing in China. So with our investment dollars, we shouldn't be putting them into companies that are building weapons that are being used to kill them, that will be used to kill Americans as as Beijing is planning. So um, what we need to do is bring our factories back here, either back into the United States or at least on this side of the Pacific. We know that we've got a problem at our southern border. Those are not Mexicans coming into the United States. These are primarily people from the Central American Northern Triangle. And those societies were destabilized when factories moved to China, when China joined the World Trade Organization at the end of 2001. So if we were to bring our factories, some of them won't come back to the U.S. Those that won't come back, they should go to Central America. And we can do this because we have a free trade agreement with the Central American countries. We can liberalize the provisions. We can get the factories back here. We won't have a problem at our southern border. We'll have a stable neighborhood. And by the way, for people who do believe in climate change, I mean, those ships that cross the Pacific, 15 of those largest container ships produce as much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere as all the world's cars. So that even if you don't believe in climate change, um, this still is not a good thing pouring all of that gunk into our air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's an important thing is for the individuals that don't believe in climate change. Well, you can just still propose it as energy independence. You don't want to be dependent on that constant burning of fossil fuels. That's just another variable in our attempt to uh, remain the global hegemon, which now, okay, maybe we don't have to do it, worry about the ships from China, but now where are you getting the fuel? The entire thing just seems to be a continual weakening of America. And like Joe said, China's using this hybrid stealth war. They're going to find ways to attack us in other ways with other nations that are hostile towards us, primarily in the Middle East. Um, for, for Ukraine to kind of pivot, it's clearly a proxy war. Do you think, and this is just me asking outright, I guess with Joe, um, what are China's interests in the outcome of the Russia-Ukraine war? Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what, what Gordon has okay. to say right now. I, I right now I think China is getting everything that they want. Like if I am if I am the CCP, if I'm the PLA right now, I am sitting back and I'm watching what's going on between the West, the US. Russia and Ukraine. I'm like, wow, this is they're gifting the economy of Eurasia to us. Everything that we wanted to do to consolidate power and economic, you know, economic dominance, the US is doing for us. They went and they threw the kitchen sink at Putin right off the bat and said, hey, there's no coming back from this. We're going to try and completely and totally cripple 
your economy, which China can come in and make a great offer to underwrite all of that, which gives them a consolidation of the Eurasian economy. And then at the same time, we're trying to get back into the Iran deal. We're letting the Russians broker that. And the Chinese are, are right there. And so now the Saudis are mad at us because of that. And so the Chinese can go right to the Saudis and say, hey, will you guys accept uh, Yuan in exchange for, for some of that, that oil? It, killing off the U.S. Uh, petrodollars. So, I mean, the ability for them to consolidate their economy right now and then really challenge our status as the prime reserve currency holder, um, they... I just think right now they are getting everything that they want and they they still have so much control over our economy. They have so many hooks into our capital markets. And right now I think they're just biding their time to decide, hey, do we want to do we want to challenge the US's status as the prime reserve currency holder and get really aggressive in our currency war and take them down or let them just slowly chip away at it? So they right now I, I foresee them just having great options as long as we continue this insane policy of trying to black uh, back uh, Vladimir Putin into a corner. Uh, even if we start a kinetic war between us and Russia, China benefits from that too, because he's basically watching all of his adversaries destroy destroy themselves. Gordon? China has backed Putin from the very start. I and mean, this was evident in February 4th when they announced their no limits partnership in that 5,000 word statement. So China is very much, I mean, it's, it's, it's buying more and more uh, Russian commodities um, at by the way, um, depressed prices. But that is supporting uh, Russia's war effort. And we have seen the Chinese diplomats put in service of the Kremlin. Uh, China's propaganda machines amplify these ludicrous Russian notions that uh, that uh, Putin puts out. Um, and, and China's making its uh, financial services available to the Russians, although they've backed off a little bit on that from pressure from the Biden administration. But clearly, Beijing sees that its interests coincide with Russia's. So I agree with Joe uh, you know, there. The, the important point right here is that we have a China that's trying to destabilize the world. And by the way, when we deplete our inventories of weapons, um, and I think it's a good thing that we're supporting Ukraine. I know people disagree, but the point is um, we have um, very few javelins, very few stingers. We're sending our howitzers over there, um, which means we don't have them to defend ourselves and to protect our friends and allies in um, Asia, which means that we have a very thin military. It was thin even before the Ukraine war. It's much thinner now. And we don't have that resiliency, that ability to sustain a long-term conflict. Joe. Yeah, I, I mean, all of our enemies watched us attempt to fight two different counterinsurgency, counterterrorism operations in Iraq and Afghanistan over the last two decades. And we had a really hard time sustaining that. We had to dip into our reserve forces, into our National Guard to even sustain that. And now we are essentially trying to push for a, a land war or to, or to support a land war in Europe, which is a conventional conflict. We're deploying massive amounts of the army over there right now. And so really just realistically, how much can we focus on the South China Sea, on the Pacific like we should be? I know, you know, one's a more Navy-centric fight, the other one's a more army-centric fight. However, at the end of the day, the Pentagon only has so much bandwidth, so much funding. So again, China is just getting absolutely everything they want. And we're depleting, like you said, they're depleting our uh, our reserves, our stockpiles of military equipment that we need. It's a, it's definitely a good scam for the military industrial complex. They get to go supply all this money, all this uh, arms to Ukraine. And then they say, but guys, we're running low back here. And so they get to restock it. There's definitely that grift going on there too. But the Chinese Communist Party definitely looks at that and says like, this is fantastic. Like there's no way 
if we want if we want to take Taiwan, we can because what are they going to do? They're bogged down essentially. They have they have to remain poised because of their stance towards Putin. They have to remain poised in Europe for a conventional battle there to defend all of the NATO allies who we know can't defend themselves. So again, like everything is very much set in the CCP's favor right now. They can maneuver on Taiwan if they would like, or they can just sit back and and uh, slowly chip away at our economy. And I, I think our policy, our kitchen sink policy towards Vladimir Putin is just wrong on, on so many different levels. But I think the biggest strategic picture is we fought the entire Cold War trying to divide Eurasia, trying to make sure that the USSR and, and, and China didn't unite. That's the whole reason we opened China back up was to divide those two. And with our actions, our very, very short-sighted actions, we've now consolidated them in, in, in a way that's going to have, I, I just think, catastrophic uh, consequences. Well, and then the question is posed is, is it incompetence and is it short-sightedness or is there complicity? And not to go full Alex Jones and throw on the tinfoil hat, but I mean, Brigadier General Robert Spalding makes a very compelling case in his book, Stealth War, all about the the secret war China's waging, uh, waging against us with the help of our elites. Is there really any <clears throat> substantiated evidence to go on that there is complicity with the CCP and some elements of our government? Or is that maybe just, is that something that's been going on since the dawn of time in all governments? Like there's always some voter fraud. Like there's always some cheating in a football game. Joe, is there yeah. any really, or Gordon, is there anything you can really touch on that with? Yeah. In the Biden administration, as in prior administrations, there are people who are very, have very pro Beijing views. And, um, you know, we, we see this, um, especially now, but it's it's also been true in the past. The problem is that the party, the Communist Party, for decades has worked to penetrate um, America. And we see this not just on Wall Street, not just at Walmart, but also our academic institutions, our local governments. Just talk about Eric Swalwell for a minute. (laughs) Um, Remember, um, by the way, it's not a crime to be a target of uh, Ministry of State Security agents. I mean, if that were the case, we wouldn't have any members of Congress. But the point is, um, in Swalwell's case, he has refused to talk about it. And when someone, you know, if, if if he weren't guilty conscience, he would just talk about it with the American people. But he's not. That really concerns me. The point about Swalwell, though, um, is that China first contacted him, not when he was on the House Intelligence Committee, which, of course, he'd be very valuable to Beijing. But they contacted him when he was on the city council of Dublin City, California. That means they were grooming him at a very early stage. And I refuse to believe that Swalwell was their only target. So there have got to be not dozens and maybe not even just hundreds, but there could be thousands of people who are being groomed by China. And that means that there are Swalwells all over the place. We have got to cut our contact with China um, because we're being overwhelmed. Our FBI is overwhelmed. Our local law enforcement is overwhelmed. Our government institutions are all being overwhelmed. And until we can get a handle on this, which we by no means at this time have, until we get a handle on this, we've got to sever those relations with China until we can figure out how to manage this relationship. Joe. 
I think it's an interesting confluence because there's obviously the the Chinese, uh, the, the PLA, the CCP doing their, their long-term intelligence operations, uh, like Swalwell is a great example. But just the elite capture in general, I, I think you have a, a confluence of the, the CCP going in there and doing their intel operations, but then also aligning really heavily with traditional Republicans and traditional Democrats who said, hey, if the free market can bear it, if it's good for us to ship our jobs overseas, it's part of this new global economy. This is just the direction things are heading in. And this is this is part of our new cosmopolitan world. So you do have some true globalists, I think, that really actually believe that it's going to be a net positive for the American people to have this relationship with China. I mean, you hear Biden, he's articulated this back when he was, you know, more capable of forming sentences back when he was on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You know, he was advocating for, hey, like the Chinese people People, they're not bad folks. Like the the rise of China is inherently in our interest. Like they would sell this, and and I think they actually do believe this. And then the CCP comes in, they take people on trips to China, they they wine, they dine them, and then they have all the financial interests because they're deeply wedded with Wall Street. That you know, just look at BlackRock. BlackRock is essentially bailing out China from their housing market scandal with our pension funds while they're doing it. And so BlackRock and all these other you know, City Street and Vanguard, they come in and they line the coffers of all the different lobbyists. So I mean, China has just really really flooded the zone in a way to gain influence that, that I just don't think we've ever faced before. And at the same time, we're funding it. It's insane. Gordon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this, this idea that we have these economic links with a country that has declared us to be its enemy, you know, um, Biden, the most he will say is that China is a quote unquote competitor. And as Joe just mentioned a couple of years ago, he said, oh, you know, the Chinese leaders, they aren't bad folks. Um, but, you know, the People's Daily, which is the most authoritative publication in China, in May 2019, um, declared a quote unquote people's war on the U.S. So China looks us at us, you know, we're more than just an adversary. Um, we are the enemy. And this hostility to the United States is evident in what uh, the Chinese leaders say and in their propaganda to this very day. So um, the problem is that Biden does not understand for one reason or another, um, whether he is just incapable or whether he's corrupted, but for whatever reason, he does not understand the nature of the challenge from China. This is not competition in our Westphalian international order that's been in place since 1648. They're not competitors in that order. They want to take down that order altogether and replace it with worldwide Chinese rule. And Biden does not understand that. Yeah, it's I mean, it really is. It's just it's the it's the Cold War all over again. There's no we can't we can't shake hands and say agree to disagree. It's like, no, this is the domino theory. They are going to bulldoze every nation in their way or we have to. It's one or the other. They're doing it right now all throughout Africa with the Belt and Road Initiative. They're not going to stop. It's not going to stop with go out into the streets and hug a Chinaman like Pelosi said. That's not how this goes. This is this is the highest stakes game. Um, for future listeners, today is Friday, May 13th, 2022. Gordon, could you look into your crystal ball and in your expertise, tell us what the uh, second half of 2022 holds? This is going to be a very dangerous time. And the reason is that China is going through simultaneous crises. It's got a debt crisis. Its economy is contracting because of these COVID lockdowns and for other reasons. There's food shortages. There's environmental um, damage, which is irreversible. Um, And I don't think that the the Chinese leadership have an answer to this. So this means that... um, They could strike out at us um, because I think they have very low thresholds of risk. Uh, 
The only good thing about this year with regard to China is that the leadership right now is embroiled in Beijing in um, political turmoil um, because the Communist Party is going to hold its 20th National Congress if tradition holds, if tradition holds in October or November. And that means Chinese leaders are preoccupied with um, internal struggle. But once they get behind that, um, put that behind them, then I think that uh, 2023 could be a very dangerous time because China will then have a lot of reason to strike out at us and we can be taken by surprise. And we're just not prepared to deal with um, the China that goes beyond its borders again, whether we're talking Taiwan, the Philippines, Japan, India. Um, this is a, an extraordinarily dangerous, risky time for us. Will we see Russia... Uh kind of crawl back into the bosom of china and do you think that that could establish i mean it's it's been going on unofficially for a while but could we really start to see the calcification of a cold war too i think that's already occurred um because we see um the russian china partnership um they've got their proxies north korea iran algeria so the thing that worries me is that uh, the war in ukraine could spread both east and west across the eurasian landmass and to places like North Africa. So um, I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm saying that the, all the elements in place for it to happen do already exist. So, uh, and we're not, we're not prepared to think about it in those terms. So that's why we need a strong America right now. And right now we don't have a strong America. And uh, what a coincidence, we have a candidate that's doing just that. Joe, the toughest question and the toughest job of this whole podcast. Can you give us a silver lining? Oh, yeah, I, that, that is difficult because we're in the law of unintended consequences right now just because there's so much happening in the world. And we put, just put ourselves in such a vulnerable position. Any other time, I think, where we faced uh, crises like on, of this scale, our country had a much a stronger base and a stronger core economically and as far as national unity goes. The silver lining that I see is that it's very hard to pull the wool over the American people's eyes for much longer. I, I think back when uh, China experts, President Trump, back in 2016, talked about like, hey, we have to get serious. We have to bring back our manufacturing. We have to decouple from the Chinese Communist Party. I feel like it was kind of almost an esoteric issue that a lot of Americans tuned out on. After COVID, regardless of how people feel about COVID, seeing the supply chain issues, the fact that we couldn't get medicine, we couldn't get PPE, right now we can't get baby formula. Talking supply chain issues with most Americans, they're like, yeah, duh, we need to bring it back here. Same thing with energy. I think we talk energy policy and people's eyes kind of glaze over. But now people are like, well, 15 months ago, I wasn't paying $5 at the pump. And you can directly like the Biden administration is trying to link that to Putin and, and no one's buying that. So I think a lot of these in, in America first, uh, I love I love the slogan. It has a bad stigma for some people. But these policies, I think right now, the American people are seeing this whole idea of globalism it's really failed. And so I, I do believe we're going to have some form of red wave. Will it be a more America first red wave or not? I don't know. But I, I think the American people are at least waking up to seeing what's actually going on. The $40 billion aid package that got passed for Ukraine, I know it sailed through, unfortunately, the House and the Senate relatively easily. But I think most American people are like, how out of touch are these clowns in Washington, D.C. right now that we can't get baby formula? Like yeah. we're all being strangled by inflation. And with the exception of 57 in the House and one in the Senate, these guys are just printing billions of dollars to send out the door. So that that uh, 
that I, I think just how bad things are going right now could be the silver lining that enough people are going to wake up and actually get active, start voting in primaries, you know, getting really active in a uh, non-presidential year. This is supposed to be usually like a slump year, the midterms, but I think we're going to see a really big voter turnout. So that's the that's the one silver lining. Uh, all the other warnings that, that Gordon put out, I, I, I think, are, are very pertinent, especially the, the state of our economy, how strong China is. And the fact that, look, at some point, Russia might just say, you guys are at war with me. Like you're, you're yeah. sending over lethal aid. You've called our leader a dictator. We know that you have troops or we, you have some people on the ground that are directing attacks and they're going to take action. And then what? Then we're actually in a shooting war with Russia. So they're, the, the stage is set for unintended consequences and just horrible outcomes. But I, I do think people waking up is the one silver lining. Yeah, I think uh, I think it getting bad enough is in a way a good thing it's when you see congress saying you know let them eat cake let the babies eat cake it's that's when it's like it's like wait dude hold on you know inflation's one thing covid's another it's like dude we can't get baby formula and it's like we need more javelins so um and lastly i know we got to wrap this up gordon do you have any advice to give to give joe any any advisement for for joe just go for it just go for it (laughs) joe's like shit okay um makes sense all right um well, both of you, thank you so much. For everybody listening, I'll put the links to both of Gordon's book in the description as well as the links to both of their Twitters. Uh, great follows. Please go do that. Thank you both for coming on here. And uh, I'd love to chat with you guys again sometime. Thank you, Tommy. Sorry. And thank you, Joe. Thanks, Gordon. It was great to meet you. Thank you, guys. God bless. God bless.